This is Trista Robinson from Echoes of Fear, and you're listening to Without Your Head. of decapitation without your head at Buffalo Films Fantastic Film Festival. Very long title. That, <laughs> it? it is very cool. And I'm here with Brian. What's how do you say the name now? Avenant? It's uh, Avenant Bradley. Avenant Bradley. All right. And he's from I almost said Stir of Echoes. What's the wrong mood? Echoes of Fear. Yeah, Echoes of Fear. Which I like the title. Some people mentioned, or one person mentioned. I would <laughs> say person, some people. One person. <laughs> that is kind of a th- thing, though, on the internet. Of some, like one person will tweet something, and then it'll become like people are saying. Yeah, right, right. But, yeah. but anyway, for people who aren't at the film festival, give them an idea of what the movie's about. Yeah, I mean, we've been uh, trying to keep it uh, under wraps as possible, uh, plot wise, so people have the thrill of seeing seeing the movie uh, and seeing it unfold. But uh, what I can say is, it's basically like. Uh, a story of the main character, Alyssa, yeah. her grandfather dies in the beginning of the movie. It's apparently a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, and then she goes and inherits this house and she has to get it ready to clean and sell the house because she can't keep it because of taxes. And basically it's the occurrences that happen there. And then her and her best friend and her and their and their little pet mouse basically yeah. trying to unravel this mystery that there may be more going on to her grandfather's death mm-hmm. than immediately was apparent. Mm-hmm. So it's a supernatural horror movie which uh, goes in unexpected ways and keeps turning the screw. I yeah. think as it, she's as great horror. in it, and also I think her voice adds a lot to the role because like yeah. she has a very distinct voice, yeah. and you also like feel a lot for her. So you you don't want anything bad to happen to her. Well, that's great. That's great to hear. I mean, that's the whole. Essence, the whole essence of the uh, movie was you had to be connected to her character, mm-hmm. Alyssa, and you had to be with her in her journey and, and care for her and her friends yeah. and, and see the movie through her eyes. And she just did a, a fantastic job with the role and really bringing that to the table because yeah. she has a lot of scenes in the movie where it's just her. Yeah, yeah. Uh, without any dialogue mm-hmm. or very little dialogue because he talks to her little mouth. Yeah. Uh, and she has to convey so much with her face. Mm-hmm. And, and her face is, I, I mean, her expressions are amazing. Yeah. I mean, Which it's like you mentioned her, her voice, but what she does with her face mm-hmm. is truly, uh, when I was editing it, I would like look at the different takes and it was like almost watching someone uh, play a musical instrument with the face. Yeah. It, it was, it was, it was yeah. amazing what she Had could Had you convey. worked with her before or? I, I worked with her before in our, our previous film, Malignant, with uh, Gary Carnes as the lead and, and Brad Dorff was the villain in that. And we cast her. We were It was a small role, very memorable, but a very small role in the movie. And just when we were auditioning her, I even knew when I was auditioning her that not only I wanted to cast her for that role, I was like, wow, I wish I had a bigger role yeah. in that movie for her. Mm-hmm. So when we um, set out to write the script, I had her in mind. Mm-hmm. 
She saw it to audition. If anyone yeah, to tell her, sure. I wrote it for her. Right, yeah. uh, she knows now. Uh, but uh, at the time, I didn't tell yeah. her I wrote it for her. But I wrote it for her with her in mind mm-hmm. and then auditioned extensively uh, with her. And it, my instincts were right that she that she would be able to do this role yeah. fantastic. Has that ever happened uh, reverse? So you write something for somebody and then they don't uh, deliver the way you envisioned it? I think it happens all the time because it's such a long process that when you're writing something, maybe that person you had a connection with, maybe they move somewhere else or they get involved in another movie at the same time you have to shoot. Yeah. So they don't end up being the person in the script that you wrote it for. Mm-hmm. So that can kind of happen. But in a way, it's still useful, I think, to have something in mind as yeah. you're writing it. And of course, once once whoever becomes that role, I think it's really important that you, you see what the actor brings to the table and, and, you know, reshape the role mm-hmm. if necessary to, to fit that. You shouldn't, yeah. like, try to make them be someone else, yeah. you know, unless they unless it works, unless it fits, yeah. you know. Now, last night it, it was, uh, we watched it here, but it's already been at a lot of uh, festivals. Yes, started last October. Shriekfest was the premiere immediately followed by the East Coast premiere at Women in Horror. It was the same weekend. It just yeah. happened to work out. So we, like, yeah. premiered it and, and flew out Red Eye. Uh, Friday night, flew out yeah. Red Eye to Women in Horror in Peachtree City in Georgia, and mm-hmm. then flew, screened it, and then they did an award ceremony early, and we won Best Feature there. Oh, awesome. And then we flew back to finish up Shriekfest to see other movies in yeah. the award ceremony, and we won Best Supernatural Feature oh, at Shriekfest. Awesome. So it's kind of funny. Day, yeah. so, so it's actually, I got the award in my hands for the second screening first, yeah. even though oh, the first right. award technically screened, so it's like kind yeah. of an interesting yeah. pairing. Yeah. But it was an amazing weekend. I don't think that'll ever happen yeah. again. Now, I know it's your fifth movie, but uh, is it so nervous the first time you watch your movie with with an audience? Oh, it's always nervous. I mean, that's the thing is we just finished the movie uh, that September. Mm-hmm. So when we played those two festivals early October, I mean, I'd sh- shown it earlier to a very small group of people. Uh, when we were working on the different editing and the versions of yeah. it. But that was the first time we had a big audience to see the movie, so that really was the unveiling of the movie. Yeah. So uh, believe me, I was in the back of the audience of both those, like watching everyone's reactions. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, and, and you could tell afterwards from watching the reactions during the movie and also the reactions afterwards at the Q&A and them coming up to you afterwards. And we realized, like, oh, my God, it worked. Well, yeah. What we intended actually worked, and the people were really passionate about yeah. it. I heard in the Q&A you do your own editing. Yes, yes, I do. I I use uh, uh, my Brian Sandage uh, mm-hmm. name for that, which is my middle name, my mother's maiden name. Uh, I also use that professionally when I professionally edit uh, for other people, and it's just because it just feels weird to do like written, directed, and edited. It's sure, just yeah. kind of I don't know. It just yeah. feels like look at me. <laughs> so I just like put it in the credits, and if people understand, it's be great. But yeah. you know, if not, I'm not worried about yeah. it. I always wonder about that though, because uh, to me, it's like two different ways. If someone else edits your stuff, I would think like. It's in someone else's hands, so it's weird. But at the same time, if you edit your own stuff, do you ever get like attached to stuff that you like have a memory of filming, and maybe it, not right actually for the actual movie, but just your memory kind well, of overrides I, that? I think it's a really good question. I think the real key is if you edit your own work. I mean, I I professionally edit, yeah. so I know how to edit. Uh, but if you're going to edit your own work. Since you don't have that fresh eye perspective, yeah. you have to basically like edit it as you intended the first pass. Call that the assembly or rough, rough cut, whatever you want to call it. The, the first pass as you originally intended, mm-hmm. and then you kind of have to let the mo- you know let the movie show you what it wants to be, and you kind of have to divorce yourself from what you did on the set mm-hmm. and what you did as a writer too, yeah. and as a director, 
and kind of see how the film wants to play and let it shape, get some good reactions from people you trust and let it be what it wants to become. And you can't hold on to things. Yeah. I mean, things you might really love. Oh, I love this shot or I love this scene or I love this actor's line. It's like, you have to let that go Mm -hmm. and let the movie become what it wants to be. So I usually take, because I edit it myself, I usually take a longer time in post. Because I always make sure I can get it to a cut, step away a little bit, get it to another cut, step away, let it kind of get a fresh, that way get a fresh perspective right. on it again. It'd be, I think it would be much quicker and easier if I was editing someone else's like I do at work, if I'm editing someone yeah. else's thing, because you have the fresh eyes right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's the key. If you're going to edit your own stuff, number one, you have to know how to edit. But then number two, you have to not fall in love with what you wrote or, or what you did on the set. You have mm-hmm. to let the movie become yeah. what it wants to do be. Do you think being an editor, uh, you know, besides your own stuff helps with that, knowing how the movie how Yeah, the movie for flow? sure, for sure. I think editing uh, professionally on, on the television shows and stuff, I think that helps me tremendously uh, in terms of, because I'm all the time cutting things down. Yeah. That's what you're always doing, especially for television and mm-hmm. running time. You're always cutting, cutting, cutting down how tight you can make it. And that was my goal with the movie was after the first, I mean, we cut from the first cut of it. I mean, there must be at least 12 good i mean after the, even the first solid cut of the movie there must be at least 12 minutes i removed yeah because i kept wanting to see like how much i could take out and still have the right flow and pacing and then i did i uh, had some trusted filmmakers who didn't know the script and let them see a very rough cut of it yeah. without the sound of music to get feedback about story elements and some of the things i learned was some of the things i thought i could get away with cutting people were missing things i was ah okay i need to put that back in because even though that same information is covered here I really need to have it repeated here in this little moment, and and that way people can follow it. So that was also helpful because you can go too far. Yeah, you know you can go too far with, yeah. with, with cutting it down. So mm-hmm. it's a balance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you know like going in like how long you wanted the movie, or does that? Really well, yeah, it was important it was. to me because I mean for an indie horror movie or really any indie movie. I mean if you're not doing an epic movie, yeah. I mean I just don't feel like there's any reason for it to be longer than 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean I just don't feel like there's a reason for a film to be longer yeah. than 90 minutes. And if you can get it shorter than that and, and, and you know get 82, 85, whatever and still get everything the way you want to tell it and the flow and the pacing work right, that's great too. Mm-hmm. But I knew I didn't want it to go over 90. Uh I, I just think people's patience and, and you yeah. know. Yeah. So this is your fifth movie, and they're all horror movies. Yes. So I assume you're always a horror movie fan? Uh, I've always been a horror movie fan. I mean, ever since I was a kid. Uh, I mean, I, I started out making movies as a kid. The first one I did was, like, uh, my dad was an optical engineer. At uh-huh. Magnavox, he had one of those crazy old video cameras with a separate recorder right. unit. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you even know what the, I'm talking about. Uh-huh. But the first thing I did when I was 10 years old was House of Frankenstein, which I know oh, that nice. title's taken. But I had a script. I had uh, gotten the right. little House of Frankenstein. So I did my own House of Frankenstein with, with my friends on VHS, and I was Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. Oh, very, very nice. Fitting for yeah, direct, right. Very fitting for a director, probably. <laughs> uh, but that was my first thing. But I've always been in, into horror and love watching horror movies and making them. And everything I do or write always seems to have an element of horror. If, if horror would not be considered the main genre, it's always mm-hmm. like a prominent subgenre. Yeah. Basically, that really, really dark comedy, which always seems to involve a lot of horror elements. Yeah. And I'm also into science fiction, but the science fiction I'm into is also involves horror elements. Yeah. So it always seems like horror is what it always comes back to. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned the House of Frankenstein. So were you? what were your favorite horror movies? Oh, well, see, it's funny because, I mean, I think with horror movies, maybe it's like with music, too. Uh, is like whatever you grow up with mm-hmm. forms a special connection with you. Like the first things that you see yeah. and, and, and 
you react to kind mm-hmm. of form extra plants. So sure. my parents weren't into me watching horror movies, but I had a, a, a best friend, still a good friend, did sound design on the movie, oh, nice. uh, Mark Lee Fletcher, and he would basically bootleg and smuggle like VHS tapes, uh-huh. and we'd watch it late at night. Yeah. So in a weird way, like watching bad VHS yeah. and like movies in the 80s gives right. it like an extra veneer. I agree, yeah. Uh, I forbid- Evil Dead. And the Forbidden, but yeah, yeah. Evil Dead. it was hard to get. It was like, mm-hmm. uh, so Evil Dead, Night of Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, Very Dead. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, you know, early Wes Craven, you know, Hills Have Eyes, mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, definitely early uh, uh, Romero, early John Carpenter. I mean, all those movies were like were like major in, influences. Yeah. And it's so funny is like talking about the VHS is that when I first saw Evil Dead, because the quality was so bad, my my yeah. mind filled in things. I thought it was much more visually horrific yeah, than it was. When I finally saw yeah. a pristine print of it, mm-hmm. like on DVD, yeah. and saw it, it was like, oh, a lot of the stuff I thought I was seeing yeah. was like, I was uh-huh. like seeing things in the, in the VHS blacks that weren't there. Yeah, there's uh, that, that one in particular I remember because it was hard to get. And then I I, um, I was at a, my brother's nine years older. And I was at a party. He took me to a party with other, you know, there were teenagers. I was yeah. like eight or something. And it was this really bad copy of it. And it always just seemed like dangerous to watch it. Yeah, I know. There's a certain fun. You know, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, digital era is great and you got to keep up with the times. But I definitely think there's something, you, yeah. I don't know, nostalgic. Well, you know, that's why vinyl came back, I think. Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was a little was, bit of that nostalgia factor. I love to go to the uh, go to Midnight Movies in Boston and they show the 35 millimeter print. Oh, yeah. And, awesome. uh, some of the movies, like when they do restore them, like they look and stuff, but so, some of them they take away, I think, like yeah. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's weird seeing like a degraded Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. 35 millimeter it print. Might better. be the best way. I agree. Texas Chainsaw the movie Massacre. itself seems kind of dirty. Like you're not supposed yeah. to be watching it. Yeah, I missed that on my list, but definitely that was one, uh, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. And, I, and because of my, my black uh, comedy uh, angle, I also thought that. that uh, the the I, Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. Two is also a surreal yeah. masterpiece. You no, know, a lot of people don't like it uh-huh. because if it's it's, it's not overtly it's not a straight up. Well, copy I still like, think the first movie is pretty funny. I don't know if that's just because I'm crazy, but no, I think it, it does has, have a very very it's not as dark humor. As the second yeah, one. but he pulled it out a lot more in yeah. the second one. I love them both. I do too. The for for first reasons. two, yeah, yeah, for exactly different reasons. Just yeah. like Evil Dead One and Evil Dead Two. Yeah, totally it's, different it's a very similar idea. And I love both remake of the first one, but a more comedic take on yeah. it. Yeah. So yeah, I like both those. So your wife was a co-director on this. Yes, yes. We've been doing movies together since uh, 1999, our first feature. Oh, wow. And we've always done it as a team. Mm-hmm. But this is the first one where we've officially co-directed. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty, the, the lines have always blurred between what we what we do on the set because it's such a communal thing because yeah. we're so small and it's indie. But this one, she just was doing so much of what people would consider the directing part of directing. It was way beyond being a director of photography that it just, she had to have that credit because it just would not give her her due if she didn't have it. Is she also big into horror movies? You know, I I think she became bigger into horror movies after she got with me, but Uh what she's always been very big into because she started as a still photographer is she's always been very into like natural lighting and very high contrast brights and darks Mm -hmm. and what's in the darkness. And, you know, she started out shooting 35mm film and in darkroom and printing and making those yeah. prints. And I think visually so much of her of the mood, you know, regardless of stripping the genre out, so much of that mood comes from, I think, that background. Hmm. 
There is some of that in uh, in uh, Echoes of Fear, the, the yep. contrast with whites and, and dark. Oh, yeah, she's. it's very much her style is really trying to make it uh, seem very naturalistic in terms of, like, the lanterns are really lighting and the flashlights are really lighting the scene and making it feel like that. Yeah. But also, like, really getting in the, on all the other scenes as well, like a very high contrast lights and blacks, and the blacks being black. Mm-hmm. So, you, I mean, to me, it's like what you can't see in the dark mm-hmm. is the first primal fear we have I think as kids yeah. what's under the bed in the closet mm-hmm. it's like what's what's there that you can't see mm-hmm. that could be hiding there and especially when that light goes off what's there in that darkness yeah. that you can't see so I feel like very important at least in the films that we do I feel like it's very important in a scary atmospheric creepy moody a horror film that you need to have that blackness. So yeah. you're always wondering what's going to come around the corner and what's going to come out of the blackness. Yeah. Along those lines and when you're making a horror movie because it's visual uh, is it hard to know like how much to show then because you do want to keep the blackness and you do want to keep like some imagination of what's there but at the same time you have to show something. Well, I think the, the only reason it's difficult is unfortunately we live in a day and age where people don't calibrate their TV sets or maybe they're even going to watch true. it on a laptop. Yeah. So, I mean, it's funny. It's like video games because my wife's an avid survival horror video game mm-hmm. fanatic. She loves survival horror video games. Resident Evil, Silent Hill. Yeah. She loves these movies, Dead Space. Uh and all those movies, they have a little slider bar in the beginning to adjust the brightness of your TV set right. so you have the right level of yeah, black. Yeah, you that. But movies yeah. don't have this. Uh-huh. I'm like, horror movies don't have this. It's like, why? Isn't horror movie have a little sliding bar so yeah. everyone can get their TV set right? So because you know that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you have to be a little bit careful when you do the grade of the movie and the color timing. Yeah. I always test it on a few different devices. You know, just to make sure it's like that thing that's barely supposed to be visible, you got to be careful with because it's got to barely be visible across multiple formats and devices. And, and that's what's challenging. That's the reason it's challenging, I think. Yeah. And the same with audio. Most people don't have their audio set up right. Yeah. So it's also challenging with how far you can push the audio versus what you want to do, but at the same time making sure that you're conservative enough that if someone doesn't have it set up right and someone's watching the 5-1 mix out of two speakers, they're at least still going to be able to understand the movie. Yeah. And it's a challenge. Mm-hmm. It would be much better if you knew everyone was listening to it and watching it on a set right. Mm-hmm. I think you could be a lot more That's interesting because I know a lot of people say, you know, their movies are made to see on the big screen. Right. But, you know, we just don't live in that world anymore. Well, we made it to see on the big screen, but we just put a little safety caveat on it. So it can be it. seen somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, we just wanted to make sure that it, that it couldn't only be seen on the big screen. <laughs> right. I mean, our goal is for it to see on the big screen. That's why we did a year of festivals starting last October, yeah. uh, still continuing in the U.S. in September, and it'll be going overseas for the next three or four months. Uh, but then also when we're doing, uh, now that we're doing the domestic release, uh, Artist Rights uh, Distribution, who's yeah. doing the uh, theatrical and the uh, VOD rights of the movie for North America, mm-hmm. it was very important for us to have a theatrical component of that. So we're actually going to come out in October mm-hmm. screening in some, some the- it'd be very limited release, but screening in some theaters so people can still have that experience even if yeah. they weren't in a town where the festival was, mm-hmm. of seeing it with a group of people in the screams and scares in the dark. Yeah. Uh, and we're working on setting that up uh, also with Tug, T-U-G-G dot com, yeah. setting it up so people can actually bring it to their town as well. Mm-hmm. I so, love that idea. That's the first time I've heard of it. And uh, I looked it up, and I, I think it's a really cool idea. I, I, think, I think if I was a kid and there was something like that that was around that I could bring a horror yeah. movie into my town that it wouldn't play because we're not – you know, Atlanta or New York sure. or L.A. or a big market yeah. to be able to bring it to your smaller town. I think it's it's just a great way to make it's like an event. Mm-hmm. It's like bringing movies back into it being an event, not just playing in the theater. Yeah. It's an event. It's it's one night. 
So come out this week, this one night, all your friends, family, yeah. people in the community the, the loves horror. the festivals. It's yes. like a communal aspect of watching, you know, these movies right. with a group of people who are interested in the same stuff. Right. So it's a way of like doing that, but being in the smaller towns that maybe can't even support, yeah, uh, you know, can't even support right. a festival. Yeah. How important are festivals? I, for me, they're just really important because I want to share it to, I mean, it's made for people to see mm -hmm. and it's made for people who like a good scary horror movie and I want people to be able to see it in the best way possible, which is always going to be in a theater setting with a group of people. Yeah. It's like a comedy. Comedy is always funnier when you can see it in a big theater and everyone's laughing together. Agreed. Well, when you're screaming in the dark, it's yeah. a communal, it adds to the, it's a communal catharsis yeah. mm -hmm. and uh, that's why it's really important to me for that reason and which is why we want to do the additional screenings in October mm -hmm. outside of the festivals. People see it that way. Yeah. Well, speaking of October, do you do anything special for Halloween? Uh, I always do everything I can in Halloween. Uh, it's funny. It's like since been doing the movie so intently for the last three yeah, years yeah. that I, I feel like I'm never getting to do what I really like to do. But of course, I love to go to uh, I love to go to fun Halloween parties uh, with, that my friends have that are dark. Mm -hmm. I mean, not the kitty Halloween, the, the yeah, dark. Yeah, yeah, I got you. The, yeah. the, 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 the dark, dark Halloween yeah. I really love. I love seeing horror movies. Yeah. Uh, both uh, the re-releases and also the new ones, like going to the horror festivals that happen mm -hmm. in October. There's quite a few yeah. in That's L.A. In LA yeah. yeah, in L.A. there's quite a few. It's like everyone always thinks, hey, let's do a horror festival. Let's set it in October. It's like, well, that's great. <laughs> but but yeah. in some way it becomes there's almost like a, so many. a glut. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. there's so many. But, uh, but yeah, there's so many. I love seeing new horror movies from yeah. other filmmakers that aren't out yet. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then, of course, revisiting the classics. It's always fun, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, our mutual friend, Michael Epstein, uh, since he moved to L.A. Yes, Michael. And I follow him on Facebook, and he's always going, and I, I get kind of jealous. I'm like, man, well, every get, night they have I get jealous because uh, I've been so busy. I haven't seen so much in the theater. Yeah. Like my friend Mark, I was talking about. He was like, "Have so you seen good movies lately?" He's like, "No," because yeah. I've just been working on this movie, right, so right. I I have a laundry list of movies. Like, I'm going to see this, uh -huh. and then sure enough, something comes up. I have to finish a deliverable. I have to, to give a new poster out. I have to. There's always, always something that I'm having to do with my free time, but yeah. it's all right. It's it's going to get released to the world, and then I can, you know, then I'll be marketing it though. That's then true. I'll be promoting yeah, it. Yeah. So this is a ghost movie. Yes, and uh, there's been a lot of them in the last few years, but it's definitely different. So. Yes. Uh, when you're putting it together, is that in your mind like I have to? Obviously, I want to make this different. I want to make the right. same ghost movie that's already out there. Well, yeah, I mean, I always try to draw from uh, real life yeah. as opposed to other movies because I just feel like uh, the best way to do something different is to put your own personality into it and your own experiences and what scares you mm -hmm. and, and draw that from real life or other real stories that are outside of movies, yeah. but like real stories you read or hear about or hear from friends. I just feel like that's a good way of like bringing something new to the table mm -hmm. as opposed to just strictly copying something. Uh, so I always, we always try to, do, to, to to be original with what we do, just by, by the nature of what gets us interested yeah. in making the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it just kind of happens naturally. Yeah. Uh, but like, like I said in the Q&A, a lot of the inspiration, especially in the first act, were all these events that really happened in this house. Yeah, which is crazy when I heard you talking about that. Yeah, yeah so I was basically writing these down, even going yeah. back before our previous film, mm -hmm. Malignant, even going back before that, I was writing all these things down, but I didn't know what they meant. Mm -hmm. But I had like a great list of really spooky, creepy things that really happened, including the dark shape and all that stuff. And I, I like had that, and then it was like mainly figuring out what the rest of the story was. And then without giving anything away, I came across two other true stories. One of them actually deals with the area where the house is, and another one is a different area. And uh, I basically took the true events in the house with those other two true stories and basically worked on synthesizing 
all that into one script. And once I did that, it just naturally happened. It became different and unique just, yeah. just naturally. I didn't have to work on it. What I had to work on was make sure that all the threads were in the script and everything was set up and paid off and everything flowed through. So as things change in the movie, it feels like a very organic change. Yeah. You know, it feels like a natural change. It's more like, oh, but of course, duh, oh, yeah, <laughs> as opposed to like, what? You know, which is what yeah. I, I think – you know, a twist, as they call them. I think when a twist doesn't work, it's the twist that the twist happens, and you go, "What?" Yeah. And the twist at work is the twist that happens. You go, "Oh, of course, right. of course, that's yeah. what." We're, and right, right, and those are the ones that work. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And some I always like in these kind of movies. Well, sometimes I don't like it. it. Really, can make the movie work or not is when other people like come to the conclusion there is something supernatural or not. Because I think sometimes if they if people don't ever think it's there's something else going on, it can be uh, unbelievable. Because if, if you see so many different things, eventually at some point you're going to have to think, well, there's something supernatural here. Right. And I like that her friend, you know, is into it. She's like, right. oh, I think there is a ghost here. And, right. You know, well, that was like really important was uh, her character. Um, sorry. No problem. Uh, Steph. Played by uh, Hannah Race, uh, it was really important that, that that her friend character basically was one of the, the people that she could talk to and, and kind of impart that information that you usually have with the more stereotypical character, which is like the wise old woman yeah, or, yeah. or the mystic or <laughs> right. or the ghost hunter person. Yeah. And so we basically just wanted to take – it's very real in L.A. There are – you know, call them new agey, whatever you want to call them. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess I can almost fall into this. But there's a lot of belief in, in the spiritual and ghosts in feeling energy and, and vibes and what that means and stuff. So even with my friends, we talk about this kind of stuff. Yeah. So to have a character that's in tune to that and is talking about it was very natural for her without her falling into the cliché yeah. uh, you know, to You don't have to waste time like in the movie – her explaining all this stuff. Oh yeah, you don't have to waste time. You don't have to waste the time. Like I'm going to find a blah blah person. Then <laughs> yeah. they come in. There's a scene where they walk through the house. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. I didn't want to do so. that trope. Yeah, yeah. So where does it go from here? Uh, well, where it goes from here is we're playing the unnamed uh, film festival in Philadelphia mm -hmm. next month. Uh, there's I don't think I can announce it yet, but there's like three or four festivals overseas that it will be playing in oh, the next cool. uh, two or three months yeah. as well. There'll be about 14 festivals total starting from last October. But the exciting thing is in North America, because mm -hmm. uh, overseas we have uh, Jenga in the UK as our sales agent. started. Okay. They played at the Cannes Film Market, oh, nice. playing to the buyers there. Mm -hmm. So it's sales have been started on that with yeah. them. And with North America, it's coming out in theaters uh -huh. uh, in October, as many cities as we can hit and have it come out to, yeah. where there's an interest in, in seeing the movie. And then in November will be the VOD. And then uh, Film Swarm, which is the, uh, the part of Horror Pack, which expands the movies with yeah. people who don't have to have the subscription, mm -hmm. they'll be putting out the movie on DVD and Blu-ray also in November. That's so cool. basically people will be able to see the movie any way they want. They can see it in a theater, mm -hmm. the, the type of person wants to get in a VOD and stream it, or if they want to have the physical copy on Blu-ray, they can do that too. Yeah. So we want people to be able to get the movie the way they want to get it. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about uh, people that, they say people don't want physical copies. I like physical copies. I have a bunch at home, and it seems like people I know online, it, do you think it's more so Horror fans do like physical copies. Well, I think it's it's cool to have. I mean, number one, it's 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 almost like getting vinyl in the sense that you can get artwork big. Yeah. So you've got your artwork. Yeah, that's a big part you know. Of it and me. and the other big part of it is you get the best the quality with the Blu-ray and the extras. Yeah. And we did we did something very unique on this. We didn't want to do a talking head extra. Mm -hmm. So what we did on the extra was we actually 
went and did an original documentary called Echoes in the Dark. Oh, nice. With a lot of the people in the movie, including the two lead uh, actresses and the musician and a lot of the other people, the special effects makeup artists. Mm-hmm. We brought them back to the haunted location where we shot the movie yeah. and we did it at night. And also we, known as your house. Yeah, so we did it at night <laughs> yeah. with with the all-in-night vision. Uh, oh, nice. So it, we broke it up into chapters, but it actually, I didn't know how long it was going to be and I was like really surprised when we put it all together. It's 55 minutes. Oh, wow. And it's a really entertaining 55 minutes and, it, and there were some things that actually happened that night Oh, Which really? I did not think would happen because <laughs> yeah, yeah. things had kind of cleared up in the house. Yeah, and I don't know about talking about it, but we had which I included as a chapter. I included yeah. the whole event mm-hmm. in there, uncut. I yeah. put the whole event well, in whatever's there. Whatever's there, maybe they were like, because well, I'm let's like, give okay, this a little something. So if this is going to happen while we're shooting it, I'm putting yeah. it in. Uh, but we also tell the stories, the true stories that inspired the movie and, mm-hmm. and the events that actually happened in the house and, and took them back in those crawl spaces and everything else. Yeah. So it's, it's very different. And that'll be on the Blu ray. Yeah. So that's another reason, you know, if you have the Blu-ray, you get, you know, a 55-minute extra content. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, which is is there cool. um, a commentary track, too? Or? I, I I don't know a commentary track uh-huh. uh, just because I don't. We have the documentary, I, so that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I, I felt like I said what we wanted to say, and you can hear from all the other people and the voices mm-hmm. from the from the Echoes in the, uh, in the Dark documentary. And the only reason I don't like commentary tracks is it always feels to me, I mean, as a filmmaker, not other uh-huh. people's commentary track, but for me... It just feels weird. It's either like very technical or it's very like, look how great I am. Look, <laughs> look at this amazing scene we right, did. Oh, right. you were so great in that scene. Yeah, oh, yeah. weren't you great? And I don't know. For me, it's like I want the movie to stand for what it is mm-hmm. so people can get it from the movie. And, and how, yeah. I don't want to tell people how they should feel in a scene sure. or how they should – what the purpose of the scene. I want people to be able to make their own decisions on mm-hmm. that. So I don't know. It's like it's kind of like books. Is that like you don't read a book and have like that the, would be the, 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 the author's commentary, the author's commentary on yeah, every page of the book? Right. Well, in this paragraph, what I'm trying to do is, uh, I mean, would that be weird? Yeah, it would be weird. I mean, to me, that's how I feel yeah. about it. I'm going so. to do that. I'm probably an outlier there, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I like them, but I, I, this is kind of a dumb thing to say, but I like good ones, which yes. is kind of like, should be for anything, I guess. I right, like good right, ones, but right. when they really, when they're really good at work, then I really like them, but there are a lot of ones that aren't. Yeah, particularly good. I think the or best, don't add anything. I think the best one we did, or the last one we did, was for our third film, uh, Dark Remains, because people were very insistent upon it back then, uh, and uh, we did one for that, uh, which was which was pretty elaborate. I haven't heard it in a long time, though. I probably would cringe because I'd be hearing my voice, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, talking. Yeah, that's why it's hard. But to definitely, the echoes in the dark will tell everyone everything they need anyway. Yeah, in a much more fun way yeah. than just rewatching the movie and hearing talking over yeah, it. Yeah. it. It's much more fun. Yeah. So how do you follow yourself, not like your house, not at the haunted house, but how do you follow yourself online and, and the movie online? Okay, well, yeah, there's a, a Facebook page. If you just type in Echoes of Fear, the Facebook page, you'll find it easy. Uh, we're the only two Evan A. Bradleys on the planet, so uh, my wife and myself are easy to find. If you type in Evan A. Bradley, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to find us. Uh, we have, because we have an original title, it's just echoesoffear.com, that's it, and the, the website will come up, and uh, between that, all that, you'll be able to get all the information you need. Cool. I really like the movie, and not just because you're here. I really like the movie, and uh, it made me want to go watch your other stuff. Oh, cool! That's yeah. the highest compliment. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's very cool. It's good to talk to you. Cool. It was a great experience. Thank yeah. you. So check out the movie. Go, yes. go, having your town. <laughs> Yo, this is Marshall Hilton from Primal Rage, Bigfoot Reborn, and you're listening to Nasty, the nastiest of Neil. On the station of decapitation without your head dot com. <laughs>
Fly!